looking for the uh, uptick in deals next year, I would just temper that with the fact that there's a lot of regulatory scrutiny on big tech in general, and potential deals you know, could be non-starters or at least receive a lot of uh, scrutiny on them. From our remote offices in the New York tri-state area, welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. This episode of our podcast, we present an excerpt from our weekly wrap with our co-head of investment-grade research, Aaron Lyons, and our senior tech analysts, Jordan Chalfin and Andy Lee. If you are an investment professional that touches the wide universe of fixed income, you will want to give us a listen. We are living a surreal life right now, but our team of nearly 100 analysts continues to publish content to our more than 15,000 readers across global credit markets. Please enjoy the weekly wrap with Aaron Lyons, Jordan Chalfin, and Andy Lee. Good morning and welcome to the weekly wrap for Friday, September 18th. I'm Erin Lyons, the U.S. credit strategist at Credit Sites. Today I'm joined by our senior technology analysts, Jordan Chalfin and Andy Lee, who are going to chat with us about the deals announced this week and the landscape for the tech sector. We had two large deals from the start of the week, and these are NVIDIA's $40 billion purchase for ARM and Oracle's kind of winning bid for TikTok. Thanks for joining me today. We know that the tech space continues to be a large part of the USIG index, accounting for you know about 9% of the bonds outstanding. Jordan focuses on the software services, hardware, and internet companies, and Andy covers mostly the semiconductor space. So thanks, Jordan and Andy, for joining me, and let's start with the deals. Jordan, you had Oracle agree to purchase TikTok, and Andy, you had NVIDIA's deal with ARM. Andy, can you just walk us through what are some of the key points of this deal, and what's your view on NVIDIA's credit profile following the transaction? Sure thing, Aaron. Um, So NVIDIA is buying ARM from SoftBank in a cash and stock deal. Um, total consideration is $40 billion, uh, but more than half of that will be equity funding. So the upfront cash cost to close the deal will be uh, right around $12 billion. The valuation on the deal looks pretty expensive based on traditional metrics. So ARM is contributing under $2 billion of annual revenues, and NVIDIA is paying over 20 times sales and 60 times EBITDA for what is a mid-single-digit revenue grower. But the the deal is all about longer-term strategic roadmap. So I think what NVIDIA cares most um, about is really focusing ARM's R&D efforts on high-performance CPU development and then iterating that design over time for more optimized performance to work with the existing GPUs and networking silicon that they already have in their portfolio. So if they can do that, then they stand a pretty good chance of becoming kind of a one-stop shop for high-end compute, especially for AI or machine learning type workloads that we know are um, rapidly gaining importance in the world today. Now, as far as pro forma credit profile goes, um, since they're not issuing new debt and um, also ARM isn't contributing a ton of EBITDA, I would say that in the near and medium term, I think it's in line with NVIDIA's existing low to mid single A ratings. Um, Over the long term, if NVIDIA can successfully execute on their vision, I could see it being one, maybe two notches higher than that. Thanks, and then, so with that, kind of pro forma profile, and I think this is a 
relatively rare case that we've seen lately where the credit profile is still relatively strong despite the size of the deal. How are you thinking about the bonds uh, within the structure? Sure, yeah. So the NVIDIA bonds actually did widen out initially after the rumors of an ARM deal came out in late July. And the concern there being, of course, that there would be a substantial amount of debt funding attached to the deal, um, which frankly is kind of what we were expecting as well. Now, once they announced this past Sunday that it was going to be mostly equity and the cash component could just come from existing balance sheet cash, we came out and said that essentially the event risk is now off the table and that there would be about 10 basis points of near-term tightening potential. Um, now, we've already seen that play out this week. So I do think you can get a bit more tightening over time, but that's really going to have to come from continued good execution and then potential agency upgrades down the line. Do you have a sense for why they're not electing to use debt? I mean, leverage is low. It's cheap. Market's open. Like, why wouldn't they look to add some debt to the balance sheet? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's two things. Obviously, um, you know, the the stock has had a kind of a crazy run. So maybe it's just opportunistic. Maybe they think it's a it's a it's an economic use of uh, of the stock as as currency for the deal. I also think that perhaps management is just uh, very conservative and believes in their their vision for creating more value over the long term, right? They obviously believe they can generate the um, synergies on the strategic side over many, many years. Um, so I, 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 th it's an interesting question. I do think that because NVIDIA hasn't pursued this scale of a deal. Um, I do think that what this signals to the market is that management um, is very conservative when it comes to uh, things that the bondholders will care about, things like, you know, balance sheet, et cetera, leverage that they'll tolerate. That's good. It's not always we get to see that, which is great. Yeah. So if we, if we think about this deal and what it means for this sector, are there any takeaways or is this just kind of an opportunity for two companies to come together and it is what it is. And then second to that, how are companies generally doing in the semiconductor space in spite of COVID? Sure, yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, an opportunistic deal, um, not necessarily indicative of um, you know a rash of consolidation within the industry to come. Um, I think, um, again, I mean, NVIDIA was able to take advantage of over a 100% increase in stock price year to date for, for the deal funding. And while there are certainly technical drivers there, it does kind of illustrate that from a fundamental standpoint, the semiconductor sector has remained very robust despite deep recession this year and to some extent has benefited from an accelerated move to a more digital world, right? I mean, we've seen a ramp in in cloud and network infrastructure investments, and also an uptick in devices like notebook PCs. Um, but to be clear, this is all just kind of reinforcing a, a semiconductor upswing that was already in progress exiting 2019 that we've um, highlighted previously. Right, and you've done a, a great job writing pieces on what's going on in the space. And just thinking about the demand, I think, you know, with, I have, my three kids are online with school, we had to buy devices for all of them. So I definitely see the demand for the chip space. All right. So thanks, Andy. So Jordan, let's switch to your deal, which I don't understand the rationale for. Um, but I'll just say that, you know, you've covered this saga 
for the past few months. And just what did what did Oracle agree to do with TikTok? Sure. First, thanks for having us on the webinar. Yeah, it's it's a really fair question, right? Because Oracle has exactly uh, zero experience running a social media application that's geared towards teens. Um, but you know, it's really their interest is really twofold. So one, I would say maybe perhaps the more obvious one is valuation. So this is a uh, for sale. There's only a couple of technology players that could actually buy it, and the U.S. government is threatening to to shut down the app. So given given that for sale nature of a deal, you could argue that you know a buyer would be getting it at roughly half off. You can make the argument that's worth you know fifty billion dollars or more, and a lot of the you know the, the deal talks have kind of ranged in the twenty to thirty billion dollars. So that's kind of the the first and the, and the more obvious answer would be valuation, and that that's why we've seen interest right from Microsoft, Oracle, Walmart, the private equity investors in ByteDance, right? So GA, Sequoia, and Co2, you know, potentially is kind of swapping out their their equity interests there for the new. Uh, TikTok business. So point number one would be valuation. Um, point number two is actually potentially more important. Uh, so tic, uh, so Oracle has this infrastructure as a service business, uh, OCI, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. Um, it is tiny right now, right? So Oracle has a really robust technical infrastructure to support its own SaaS business. Um, but in terms of like, you know, selling compute and storage uh, as a service uh, to external facing customers, right? And, you know, it's really small. And this, the market is, is, is dominated by just three players in the US. That's Amazon, Microsoft, and, and Google. So Oracle had a couple of recent wins, you know, with Zoom and 8x8. And TikTok would be a unbelievable customer reference um to to building that business and to really pitching it to clients TikTok is obviously a, a very very demanding application and so oracle could go to customers and say hey you know TikTok is running on our servers we could handle TikTok. we could certainly handle your workloads as well so it could really kickstart that infrastructure as a service business by the way is growing really rapidly and uh, a very high margin lucrative business um, so there's a lot of upside to operating trends, you know, based, based on the steel as well. Thanks. And just to go back for a second, how much are they paying for this? I guess, do we have firm <laughs> terms or not yet? It's so murky right now, right? So the original bid was, uh, $20 billion, which was a mix of, uh, cash and stock, right? Um, but we, we don't, we don't know what the final numbers are. Um, the new deal sounds like it's going to be st structured as if, you know, there's a, there's a new entity going to be called TikTok global and the U S investors will presumably own a majority stake, uh, in the company with parent, with the TikTok's you know, parent company, ByteDance owning a minority. The latest figure I saw in Oracle was a potentially a 20% uh, ownership stake in the business with the rest being owned by Walmart and those um, aforementioned, uh, you know, private equity funds. So if you think about, you know, potentially like a $25, $30 billion price tag, a 20% uh, stake would be 5 to $6 billion. 
So it could have a very modest impact on Oracle's credit profile. That's that's roughly kind of the amount that the company spends on share purchases each quarter. Um, so it would not be that onerous. But you know, I would say that you know things are very fluid. The details are murky, and you know we don't know exactly how it's going to be uh, structured. Okay. So I guess I'm fortunate that I'm probably too old to use TikTok and my kids are too young to use it, but I'm struggling to see where Walmart, like why Walmart's coming in. Oracle, I think the explanation you gave on having that as kind of the show pony makes a lot of sense, but why does Walmart want it? Yeah. Other than yeah, advertising. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit less clear. Um, Walmart obviously has really big ambitions in e-commerce. So they, they, their executive there, Mark Lohr, has has really done a phenomenal job. He he founded Jet, you know, as you know, and he founded Quincy, which which Amazon acquired a long time ago. So that that business is doing really well, and I think it's about trying to you know drive drive e-commerce transactions to Walmart. So potentially you could have like a tick like an influence an influencer on TikTok, it's maybe wearing you know a certain article of clothes or you know, some sort of other item that they potentially, you know, with the integration with APIs and whatnot, kind of drive purchases uh, by those followers to Walmart. But, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch in terms of the strategic rationale there. Um, but certainly, you know, valuation, you know, is another important factor too. You know, both companies can be getting a, a really terrific asset um, at a, you know, a very modest sort of like a sale price. Thanks. As we think about this deal, sticking with Oracle and TikTok, are there any roadblocks you think the deal faces? Or do you think given the government's intervention so far that it should just be kind of moving ahead and and on its way? Yeah, I think there's still some roadblocks that that remain uh, from both China and the U.S. Um, so the Commerce Department, you know, is is going to, you know, threatening to shut down the app in uh, on Sunday. This would just kind of prevent, you know, uh, new installs and, and updates, but not necessarily delete the app from users' phones. But, you know, it, it sort of underwent this two-track review with the Commerce Department and CFIUS. And also needs, you know, final sign off from Trump. I think Trump is likely to sign off on on any deal involving Oracle. You know, as many of you know, Larry Ellison held a, a fundraiser for Trump earlier this year, and Trump has has said, you know, very complimentary remarks about Oracle um, and and Larry Ellison. So I think the I think politically speaking, um, U.S. is likely to approve, but there still are concerns, right? There's concerns over protecting uh, the user's data and also concerns about, um, you know, censoring data um, from the China government. So, you know, it's it, it's it, it's still tricky and, you know, it really depends how, how the deal gets structured. Um, on the China side of things, you know, back when Microsoft was, was doing the initial negotiations, uh, China created these new export controls on AI. So these are things like speech and text recognition and making those um, content recommendations. And so, you know, that the algorithms are 
sort of the secret sauce here and, and pretty highly valuable. And they could also be used to, to censor content as well. And so where, you know, China would have to sign off on a deal uh, that included those. But, you know, if ByteDance maintained those and the U.S. just merely licensed that, it's unclear if that will get approved by, you know, all the regulatory bodies in the U.S. And so there's there's still some roadblocks here. And, you know, obviously all the, all the players have to sign off as well. But I would say that there are some roadblocks from both the U.S. and China sides of this deal. And then what is your view on Oracle bonds? Uh, I yes. guess in light of this news and then otherwise. Yeah, so we we upgraded Oracle back in late March to outperform. This was after the $20 billion debt issuance it came with and after kind of multiple downgrades by the agencies. Um, at the time, those bonds were trading around, you know, 10 years trading around 230, which was like 50 bips uh, back of IBM. Clearly, I think a lot of the, or nearly kind of most of the upside is, is already realized here, right? But it's still, Oracle is still trading wider than, than peers, you know, and we're, we're maintaining our outperform recommendation. You know, it's a really good business. I think that it's a fundamentally a better business than IBM and also with slightly lower leverage. And Oracle is starting to see improved operating trends, um, you know, for uh, its business as well. And, and, and TikTok, frankly, um, you, you know, would, would add another layer to those, to those improved operating trends. And so I, I, I like Oracle, it's still wide to peers, but, you know, most of the, most of the upside is already realized. And given, given the, the deal structure, what we know so far, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that uh, that onerous. So if we think about Andy and Jordan, these deals that have been announced this week and also looking at Gilead's $21 billion purchase of Immunomedics that was announced this week, does it feel like to you that we're starting to see more M&A and do you think we'll have more deals announced um, in the tech sector? Yeah. I think I think we'll see a uptick in deals next year. I would just temper that with the fact that there's a lot of regulatory scrutiny on big tech in general, and potential deals, you know, could be non-starters or at least receive a lot of uh, scrutiny on them. And then we also have you know ongoing U.S.-China tensions, and the tech sector is you know obviously really sensitive on that front. So I, I think we'll probably see an uptick from what we saw in 2000. 20, but I, you know, I, I think there are some, some factors that will uh, constrain M&A uh, as well. And then Andy, you had kind of touched on not seeing more in, in semiconductors, but do you think there's any potential for tie-ups um, in the companies you cover? Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, to, to Jordan's point, I think, um, you know, antitrust and then the U.S.-China sort of geopolitical angle is always going to be uh, a factor in, in the chip space. But I would not be surprised at all if Broadcom decides to uh, pursue something of a decent size in either the software or the semiconductor sphere next year. Um, and if they do, it'll most likely be debt funded, um, just given that that's you know, that's management strategy there. Thanks. And 
given you know, we were asking a question about M&A in the space, the natural next question that comes is, well, who do you think the buyers and targets are going to be? Are there any companies other than, you know, you mentioned Broadcom, um, any companies kind of on your list that you're keeping an eye on right now? Yeah, well, I mean, in the in the chip space, I think some of the I think some of the uh, the names in the sort of analog and embedded space, like that that space is still fairly fragmented. We saw ADI with a uh, stock deal uh, acquisition of Maxim announced a bit earlier this year. I think there there's still some opportunity for consolidation in that space. Um, Xilinx has been floated a number of times as a potential acquisition target specifically for Broadcom. So um, whenever Broadcom decides to, you know, stop eyeing software names and and, and start coming around to chips again, um, I think that's a possibility as well. And Jordan, are there any in your space that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think this big big tech names will continue to, to do acquisitions, which is probably kind of more on the, the bolt-on variety. I think, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, you know, and others will continue to acquire. HPE is another one that I, I think they could, you know, it would make sense to do some acquisitions to maybe, um, you know, bulk up their offering and, and better compete with Dell. Um, Dell, which hasn't really done any M&A since the ENC deal back in 2016. So they've really used VMware as an acquisition vehicle, but you know, assuming they go through with this, you know, this spinoff in a year, in a year from now, they would at least have that option available to them to kind of kickstart, you know, do some smaller deals. In terms of targets, I think, you know, I think HPE, there's a couple of these like five billion dollar targets out there, and those would be Nutanix and uh, Pure Storage that I think might be logical deals. Uh, for for HPE. Thanks, and it, it sounds like if they're in that kind of five billion range, issuance would be manageable to fund them. But outside of kind of that range, do you think, or are you getting a sense from companies if they would use cash on hand or equity or just fund in the market? Yeah, I, I kind of get the sense it would be a mix of both. I think a lot of these companies are flush with <clears throat> cash and liquidity, but you know, as you mentioned, interest rates are really low, and companies are, are still going to come to market. I think a lot of the the issuance is going to be, you know, refi, you know, maybe continued liability management next year, and things of that nature. But maybe maybe some limited M and A issuance as well. On that front, you know, with the with the spinoff of VMware, I'm estimating VMware could come with you know, possibly $12 billion of debt, uh, you know, around September of 2021 as part of that deal. Okay. That would be good because as I think about supply for next year, we're seeing so many maturities be pulled forward to this year that you could, I've, you can talk yourself into a situation where the supply picture is greatly diminished in 2021 based on the refi picture, but if we see an uptick in M&A across IG, then it's a, a different, different conversation. So thanks for that. You mentioned VMware and Dell is a name that you just upgraded the first lien bonds yesterday. We also just published the picks and pans piece 
across the sectors and you and Andy have names on there that you like, can we just take a couple minutes going through rationale for the underperform on the tech space and some of the picks and pans for both of you, please? Yes, sure. So on the um, on the higher level tech sector recommendation, you know, tech has, has held up generally really well during COVID, right? So semis have done okay and uh, software, you know, the cloud have held up pretty well. And, you know, there's some, even some hardware like notebooks and whatnot that have seen a surge in demand, right? Given work from home and, you know, and e-learning trends. Uh, there are some pockets of weakness as well in there. Um, so it's not perfect, but, you know, compared to other sectors, you know, tech has, has generally held up, uh, you know, relatively well on the operational front. Uh, but tech is, you know, trades is a really tight sector. It's a really defensive sector, generally trades roughly in, you know, in line with the A-rated index. So in order for tech to outperform, you really need a risk-off environment. And right now, I think we're in more of a risk-on environment. And, and so given, given that, you know, I think it, you know, we, we expect tech to, tech to underperform just, just really because it's got, you know, a more limited carry relative to other IG sectors. Thanks. And, and what are some of the picks and pans that you had in your coverage? Yeah. So the one we just upgraded and which is what you mentioned was upgrading the, the Dell firstly notes. Um, you know, that's, that's a trade I really like, um, you know, those, those bonds look really attractive, uh, relative to bonds within the, you know, the cap structure. So, you know, relative to VMware and, you know, Dell legacy bonds, but also relative to peers, um, you know, assuming that the spin sort of goes through as planned, you know, VMware could, uh, you know, pay a, a very large special dividend to help Dell. Um, accelerate its, its debt reduction plans and really um, they're losing their best asset here, but they could take leverage down really significantly and become more of, um, you know, more of like a legitimate uh, investment grade uh, company. And, you know, I, I think in that spin, the, um, you know, the negative outlooks right now at S&P and Fitch could be lifted. And those Dell firstly notes should trade more in line with peers. Um, so that would be more of like a Seagate and, and a flex. So you're getting like a, like a lot of carry right now, like 280 on the 10-year, but you're also getting maybe a, another, you know, 35 or 40 basis points of tightening uh, on top of that to, to really, you know, assuming those negative outlooks get lifted. And so I think there's a, a lot of upside there with the spin transaction, but Dell is also committed to paying down a lot of debt. Uh, over the next year as well, even even prior to a spin. Yeah, and then just to add on to that on the uh, semiconductor side, so compute and memory could probably see some moderation in year-over-year -year growth um, in the second half and, and into the early part of next year. But um, the thinking here is that demand from segments that are more tied to overall industrial production can probably improve quite meaningfully from first half levels. So we like NXP in the triple B bucket. It's a leader in automotive and industrial chips, which are the areas where we think there's more upside. Um, we'd also stay away from Intel. Um, you know, it's facing some pretty stiff competition from AMD, uh, which will show up as margin compression. And uh, also there are some well-publicized technical difficulties on the manufacturing side. 
So to the extent that you can get similar spread in NVIDIA or a bit more in Qualcomm, it seems that Intel is a pass to me. Thanks, and Andy, you and I were joking a couple of weeks ago about AMD stock because we both recall when it was trading at like $2 a share. Oh yeah. Um, it's certainly <laughs> staged a recovery. It, they've been doing a great job. Now it's at $76 a share. Anyway, thank you for those those picks and pans. I just wanted to say thanks so much to Andy and Jordan for um, taking the time to speak with me today about the tech sector. If anyone would like to have a more in-depth conversation with Jordan and Andy, please reach out to your sales coverage to set up a call um, between the two of them. I hope you enjoyed the excerpt from our weekly wrap. Please stay tuned for future episodes of our podcast. As always, you can find our research on our website, creditsites.com. If you are not a subscriber, please contact us at sales at creditsites.com. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or produced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information complained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. Received by the listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.